and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle. I use she, her pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at redtailtalk90. And my co-host is Jade. Hi, you can find me on the internet at jadoxrose on the Twitter, and I use they, them pronouns. We will be making our way through the books one at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Uh, please come yell at me about Animorphs on the Discord. Please. <laughs> Anytime, day or Anytime. night, just at Danielle at our server with your Animorph-related <laughs> thoughts, memes, tweets. Let's talk about that time that Riley added me in the FTL server and I info dumped about morphing for like, I wrote a five paragraph essay. Amazing. <laughs> <sighs> okay. So today we're covering uh, number two, The Visitor, uh, which is narrated by Rachel. Um, and... I don't have a whole lot of background stuff to talk about this time, so I guess we mm -hmm. should just get into it. All right. Uh, so we dive in with our um, standard opening. I can't tell you my name. I can't tell you where I live. Um, I like that uh, Rachel includes the others. Like, none of us will ever tell you our last names. I like the combativeness. Like, this mm -hmm. is the first time we hear from Rachel, and her, what is it, her third sentence is, Bitch, this is me laying down the law for you. <laughs> Deal with it. It's not apologetic in the slightest. Yeah, uh, it's just like, well, it's sorry, but that's the way. That's not a serious sorry. <laughs> um, and it's very good. Um, it's great, and we um, we see signs of the trauma. Uh, just like talking about, like I always like these reflexive, reflective. Sorry, looking back, mm -hmm. we see we we hear about um, things that. Rachel has not yet seen in canon because, I don't know, I suppose we have. I don't know how much detail we got from how much Rachel saw in the invasion of the Yerk pool last time mm -hmm. because, you know, but that's it. It's a very bleak opening as per standard. And then we dive into a really nice heartwarming <laughs> visual, which I, I really appreciate the contrast of. Yeah, I like how it's kind of interspersed <clears throat> where, like, she's talking about She's explaining the backstory to the Yerks and then saying, That day the sun was bright. It warmed the earth below us. Warm air rose in an invisible bubble, a thermal, because they're like going flying. And then it kind of cuts back and forth between describing stuff about the Yerks and then the 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 cold open, as it were, mm -hmm. um, which is how it will generally be for the next while, where it'll be uh, the the standard intro. And then slowly interspersed with the thing that they are doing at, for the intro of this book, like whatever wacky hijinks they're up to. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, kind of petering off the explanation into the actual uh, opening of the book as it goes. Uh, which is the kids spending time practicing their bird of prey morphs. Yeah, they um, all have bird of prey morphs now. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we have... Uh, Tobias, Red Tailed Hawk. We mm -hmm. have Marco and Cassie as Ospreys. 
Mm-hmm. We have Jake as a peregrine falcon and we have Rachel as a bald eagle. Yep. It's like the least subtle, largest of the bunch. <laughs> yep. Here she is. Queen. Yep. yep. <laughs> I love her. She's great. Um, and I, uh, we get a little bit of um, observations from Rachel about uh, people's flying ability or lack thereof. Uh, that that's unkind but um we have her comment about tobias being the smoothest flyer and then this is hilarious this is one of the first things i spot in our notes document uh <laughs> tobias was the smoothest flyer this was partly because red-tailed hawks are natural acrobats to which point danielle responded with <laughs> they are not <laughs> um which uh which then I gave my own reply, but uh, this is very amusing to me. Uh, as we mentioned last time, we do an Animorphs-inspired um, actual play podcast. Mm-hmm. We do not care about city planning in our setting, but <laughs> oh boy, do we Google animal facts. <laughs> Biology is important to us. Yeah. Or it's important to our resident STEM, uh, which is Danielle. <laughs> It's just, it's important to me, and therefore I make it important to everybody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's good. I like it. It, I like the uh, legitimacy it gives our endeavors. Um, (laughs) But I I appreciated that that call out for me because I wouldn't have known. Um, Yeah. But as as this uh, comes on, uh, I'll I'll loop back to it later. But um, I find it interesting, like, because I feel like for the most part, they do genuinely very well on animal facts mm-hmm. and like i feel like yeah. they do their research because uh, we talked uh there's the mention about how jake as a, in a falcon morph is not able to ride thermals in the same way that the uh hawks and the eagle are mm-hmm. so and like this pops up time and time again like you see little details of the animal experience of the world um and it always feels very well researched or like Information that maybe is like I suppose commonly assumed mis uh, commonly assumed misinformation. Mm-hmm. Like people accept this as fact, even if perhaps it's not entirely accurate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, for the record, red-tailed hawks are not natural acrobats. Uh, they can be acrobatic, uh, but they're not. They're beautios, which means they're soaring hawks. They basically sit in a tree all day, and then every once in a while will swoop down and kill prey and then go back to their tree. Or mm-hmm. they'll just, you know, do circles in the air, uh, riding thermals. Um, so that it struck me as funny, uh, just because, like, you know, I've I've seen red-tailed hawks, and I know some about them, and so like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're not exactly graceful <laughs> Rachel's just, uh, sorry, Danielle's just here coming for uh, red tail talks everywhere it's like yeah. no now that's not saying Tobias can't be graceful because he also has the benefit of a human mind to you know try shit that uh, a real red tail mm. talk would not um, and that's something that comes up uh, in a moment. But mm-hmm. uh, before that, we've got this uh, Tobias daring Rachel to do a dive. And because Rachel yeah. is Rachel, and because also perhaps because Tobias is the one asking, conjecture, <laughs> that of the podcaster, not necessarily supported by the text, um, 
Rachel goes for it. Um, and uh, Jake also uh, joins the fun. Because um, yep. <laughs> uh, peregrines, are, uh, falcons are better at diving. Yeah. So peregrine falcons, uh, I like. They're, they're a bird that I like. I, I don't <laughs> like them in the way that Danielle likes red-tailed hawks, but I'm like, that's a cool <laughs> fucking bird. They are very cool birds. <laughs> I think it's because it's one of the birds of prey we have here, which is yeah. why I like them. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, so Tobias leads her through the dive, um, tells her to let the eagle do the flying. Um, and uh, she relaxes and allows the kind of eagle instincts to take over um, and ends up being much less precarious in her dive. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. Jake goes like zipping by them. Mm-hmm. Because he's a peregrine falcon and dives at 200 miles an hour. Lordy. <laughs> uh, and, uh, um, I love and Jake in this moment. I love like, Jake when, in this moment. Like he's like basically whooping as he goes screaming past the others. Yeah. Um, and like it's in the text um, that uh, Rachel's like, I would have smiled if I had a mouth. Jake is like me. He loves excitement and adventure and being a little crazy. Maybe we're so alike because we're cousins. And I just like that affirmation mm-hmm. of their relationship and how future enabling, you know, there's, there's, yeah. this book is very good, actually. Uh, I feel like a lot of the interactions in this opening bit are very telling about what happens later. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tobias, the way uh, Tobias's role and sort of, uh, Establishing that dynamic between Jake and Rachel is uh, yeah, is cool. Yeah, I love, I love seeing Jake having fun and being a dork because that happens less and less. Uh huh. Ah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Danielle is sad about Adam Wolf's again. <laughs> <laughs> we should talk about our drinking game. <laughs> we should talk about our drinking game. Um. I am it not is, currently drinking because it's 10 in the morning here. And, it, and it's only quarter past three for me. But for you at home, whatever time, <laughs> if you are listening at a time of day where drinking may be appropriate, or you are just in the mood for a beverage, get your drink of choice. And uh, you can drink along with the Escafil Files. So we've got the exclamations secrecy and paranoia, which came up. I think at least three times in in my notes here. Yeah, that was what inspired me to start making the list. (laughs) You can take a drink whenever we declare uh, that one of the kids is my child. Could be my son, my daughter, my precious sweet bean. However we refer to them in a familial fashion. (laughs) Take a drink. Uh, If uh, we we mention that they are 13. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, normally with some degree of distress, but not necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> um, if there is some variant of, you know, kids' books or for children. Um, <laughs> also then. And of course, the old classic, Visa 3 is here. Maybe that yeah. should be a finish your drink if Visa 3 is here, given <laughs> its place in the narrative. <laughs> yeah. Uh, feel free to tweet at us. Uh, with more drinking suggestions as this season <laughs> podcast goes on. <laughs> or let us know in the Discord server. Yeah. Um, but yes, <laughs> back to the plot. Back to the plot. 
so they're flying around. Uh, some dumbasses start shooting at them with rifles because they don't understand that that's illegal. Um, and the Animorphs decide to uh, swoop in and take their guns away from them. Secrecy! That's a normal thing for birds of prey to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the uh, indignation uh, from Rachel in this yeah. moment when they realize when they all realize that they're being shot at. Yeah. Um, and part of the and this I found it interesting uh, with again with the morph that Rachel acquires later. Uh, this I can't believe this. I was really mad. I'm an endangered species. I'm a bald eagle. What's the matter with those creeps? Like, <laughs> and how much of that is the animal, and how much of that is Rachel herself? <laughs> is an interesting thing for me. Yeah. Um, I mean, the bald eagle probably doesn't know it's endangered, but it certainly would probably be indignant at someone shooting at it. Yeah, I think that, yeah, very much so. <laughs> um, but they uh, they sort of swoop in, uh, head down, uh, and this is where that ability to use human intelligence with the animal's abilities, we start coming in, like, I think, is it Tobias that mentions about banking right quickly when mm-hmm. they see the flash? Yeah. So... That uh, that ability to to utilize that is established and is cool. Um, and they get down there, and uh, Rachel grabs one of the rifles, and uh, Marco grabs, I think it's a can of beer out of the yeah. hand of the other one. Yeah. Uh, with the line, "They're way too young to be drinking." Um, uh, which is a line I pull because it's Marco said in his most parent-like voice, and I couldn't decide if that was sarcasm or Marco being an adult or both, which is probably both, given that he's mm-hmm. a sarcastic little shit. But also, um, it hurts me, and it's good because yeah. I, I have I have a lot of feelings about Marco already, <laughs> which is why he annoys me in this particular book quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, Marco's kind of gross in this book. Which is weird because he's usually not, not gross like this. Yeah, I feel like this is some gross 13-year-old boy stuff mm-hmm. that I feel like isn't necessarily even that fair to 13-year-old boys. Just teenagers yeah. can be gross. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so they uh, they remove the guns. They sort of fly out uh, over the water to catch mm-hmm. them again because Rachel is struggling. Um, and she drops the rifle out over the water. Um, Marco swoops in and gets the can and sh- directly into a trash can, which is very good. <laughs> um, I made the point here. This is a non-plot related thing. Of I, I think it'd be a fun game to try and figure out where in the US the Animorphs hometown mm-hmm. might be based on what we learn about the geography of it. Yeah. And what animals might be wild and stuff. But so yeah. far we have a beach mm-hmm. um, and pine trees near the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and also native peregrine falcons. Mm-hmm. So I feel this is, well, obviously that means coast, but I feel that means coast coast, not lake coast. Because mm-hmm. you don't, well, I suppose you do sometimes describe beaches at a lake. Well, they were... They were at the ocean beach last book when they went to the sharing. Yeah. They were talking about sand dunes and all that. Yeah. That said, there is, what is it, the Indiana Dunes National Park on the edge of Lake. Which lake is that? 
Ah, <laughs> oh, see, I don't live in America. But either way, <laughs> um, I suppose my brain went Pacific Northwest based on that, personally. Mm-hmm. But um, who knows? They're, they're not certainly. They're certainly not going to tell us. So um, <laughs> it's up to us to guess. Uh, I see your note here about Seer. Yes. Um, okay, this was the fun little Easter egg I wanted to mention first. Um, and I forgive me if I'm slightly off base, uh, but when they fly in to grab these mm-hmm. guns, um, Rachel is sort of flying, ready to go, and Tobias is the one who shrieks. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is an uh, interesting bit of movie trivia. I, I believe it's even a Red Child Hawk specifically that is always yeah. used for bald eagles in yeah. movies because bald eagles do not sound majestic they at don't. all. <laughs> uh, so I, I liked that little nod there. Um, mm-hmm. If that was intentional, I was like, that's very funny and good. Um, but also <laughs> the vocalization is written out for what a Red Tailed Hawk's screech looks like. And it spelled T S and then a bunch of E's and then an R. And I was uh-huh. like, hmm. Yeah. Danielle. So <laughs> Dan- <laughs> when I uh when I was first creating Seer as a character, uh, who's my Aarakocra D D character, um, it said that Aarakocra usually get named after like the sounds that birds make, right? And so it was like chirp. Mm-hmm and uh whistle and like uh, these other things or or like they make they make bird sounds or something um Mm -hmm. and i was like hmm what bird sound do i want to use and i looked up cooper's hawk bird sounds but they don't make a good name Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i was like what other bird sound do i know oh i know It's very good, but I definitely stopped reading for a second and just tackled a little and then made the note in our notes document. Yeah. So. Yeah. I know what I'm about. It's a good, it's good. It's a good brand. Yeah. Um, but yes, so the uh, kids ru- uh, ruin these assholes with guns day, rightly so, despite, you know, secrecy. Um, and Cassie's like, yo time to uh head back and dim off we get that uh s- the stressing in the text about no more than two hours mm-hmm. um but they fly back to this uh, abandoned church um and yeah there's some real nice character work here as well as some <laughs> not so great moments we get mm-hmm. some real fun descriptions of what it looks like when the kids demorph. Mm-hmm. I always feel like uh, there's a lot of fun being had by the writers in in these moments. Like, how weird or interesting can I make these combinations of features, mm-hmm. sound slash look? Yep. Um, we we get a note from Cassie, who was the one who, as I said, was the one we should head back. I had left her watch out on her clothes as well. So when mm-hmm. they start morphing back, she's the one that suggests, hey. Maybe an hour and a half. We should just sort of, as a good habit, maybe just keep to being morphed for that long. <laughs> Rachel, Jay, <laughs> guys. Yeah, this is, they, they immediately flagrantly disobey this <laughs> and continue to flagrantly disobey this. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know what they say about good advice. uh they all morph back we have a lot here uh where rachel like through the first the whole of the first chapter and the beginning of this chapter um there's a lot of rachel like talking about oh well tobias is a better flyer because he's spending a lot more time in the morph and there are four pairs of shoes waiting for the five of us and like all that sort of stuff and it's like all of these reminders that hey Tobias is stuck as a hawk y'all in case you missed it at the end of last book mm-hmm. um they they all morph back it's gross uh and <laughs> Jake is really excited he had a really fun time um mm-hmm. they all are cute yeah, it's very cute. They all talk about how awesome it was and how much they loved it. Uh, which, like, I feel I feel like they should almost apologize to Tobias because, like, when Tobias was going on about it last book, they were like, yeah, sure, Tobias, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like they actually try it and, and now they're waxing poetical about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Cassie morphs back uh, in a very pretty way. Um, as far as everybody else, they, they take great pains to describe everybody else looking like a horror movie monster, um, Mm -hmm. as they're morphing back, but Cassie is able to control it a little bit, like how she did last book where she was kind of able to get a centaur vibe for a minute before morphing back totally. Um, and here we see, uh, uh, she keeps her wings until the very end. And so she looks like a really cool harpy. Um, uh, Rachel calls her some strange angel. Um, Mm -hmm. and Jake, uh, is head over heels. (laughs) Uh, Uh, to which I said, Jake, your crush is showing. But to be fair, if my crush was just chilling with big ass wings, I'd be a little awestruck too. (laughs) Also introducing (laughs) wing fic to a generation lol. (laughs) I'm very funny. Don't you know? Um, there was a little detail um, I noticed, um, which is when uh, Rachel talks about morphing back and how you picture yourself. Uh, she's like, I focused especially on the hair because I didn't like my last haircut. It was uneven at the bottom. Not that it mattered. I just wished I could do something about the hair when I morphed. And then she goes on to say, but that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. But what I, I liked about that is there's something very sort of pessimistic and cynical and also very pragmatic about mm-hmm. that as I said just like I'm going to think about the thing I don't like that I can't fix but <laughs> eh, it's a useful thing because she'd been fixating on it mm-hmm. fixating on it it was an easy thing to latch onto and a good anchor yeah but um just underscoring Rachel as like a personality type like the person just willing to who doesn't hide from the negatives either mm-hmm. so and it's a uh, I just appreciate that it's telling mm-hmm. so um and one thing i noticed before we sort of leave the church is Mm -hmm. um one rachel has this real nice description of tobias Mm -hmm. um after we get the outright statement about tobias being trapped in hawk form about tobias who had once had unruly blonde hair and eyes that seemed hurt and tender and hopeful all at once and i'm like rachel that's gay um (laughs) but also um rachel does uh descriptions of everybody except cassie 
Mm-hmm. Cassie got a good visual descriptor of like features in book one, but nobody else did. And I appreciate mm-hmm. and what I said, I appreciate it's book two. We should probably establish, hey, what the rest of the characters look like a little better. <laughs> We Shout do, out to we, the fat artists. <laughs> yeah. We we do get them appearing on the book covers, but also Tobias's uh model that they use for the book covers for the first one or two is also wrong. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> they get some dude who uh has like brown hair or black hair or something. Lordy. Um, but the the new the new model that they get after that uh is very much Tobias because he looks tiny. And has the unruly bro- uh, blonde hair and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what what I like about the descriptions, because uh, like Rachel comments about how Marco is self conscious about being short, mm-hmm. um, and that the the way she talked about Tobias's eyes, and I forget exactly what she says about Jake, but I like how Rachel pays attention to details and how that comes yeah. across in her narration. Yeah. So. Uh, Jake specifically is described as like big, um, which I like uh, because like he's always pictured as uh, like you know thin white teen, but uh-huh. like the description here is Jake is kind of a big guy, strong looking with brown hair and serious dark eyes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, big Jake writes. Um, and small king marco and small king marco uh marco makes really gross sexist comments here it's called out as sexist well yeah it's called out but the fact that it's here at all like it really doesn't belong no um and it it goes against what we see of his character later and so i kind of think like maybe they just hadn't gotten a good hold of it yet Mm-hmm. Um, because later also, we see. Go mm-hmm. ahead. I was just gonna say it's also evidence of Marco saying things to try and be funny. Yeah, and sometimes I feel like he doesn't buy into the jokes that he's making. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the sort of gag you learn from hanging around older guys. Yeah, like talking about our oh, ugly girls and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it, as as it's stressed over and over again, how Marco uses humor. To try and defuse situations, but also as a defense mechanism. He, the more agitated he is, the more jokes he makes. Mm-hmm. And it's said a lot of the time that it's they're not necessarily good jokes, but people often appreciate why he's making them. Yeah. Um. Like you, you get descriptions like nervous laughs quite a lot, and sometimes it works, mm-hmm. and it's exactly what the group need. Yeah. But like, like anybody that tries to be funny, sometimes your jokes fall flat and that one just feels a bit sour to read. Yeah. And, you know, it, that's a good way to put it, actually, is the thought that, you know, he's, he's making jokes and some of these are ones that he's just repeating because they're things that he has heard before. Um, he definitely didn't pick them up from Jake because Jake never makes those kinds of comments at all. Um, and so... But everyone always, like, shuts him down. Not in the way that, like, Rachel will shut him down later, where she kind of quips with him. Yeah. Um, but, like, they shut him down and they're like, dude, that's not cool. <laughs> and eventually he, he stops making these jokes. And whether it's because the authors decided they didn't want him to make those jokes anymore, or mm-hmm. because it's one of those things where it's like, 
hey, if you actually call this stuff out in your friend group and tell them like, hey, that's not cool, bro. Yeah. <laughs> that people will will stop doing it because they're not getting the attention they want from it. And so um here that doesn't seem like what he takes away from it. Uh so I think in this particular one it just falls super duper flat. Um Yeah. Um but we leave the church. They all walk uh towards home together. Um they they specify that flying like the act of flying was tiring um and they are still fear feeling that tiredness um and they specify morphing always takes a lot out of you um mm-hmm. which which is to say like the the act of morphing and kind of all of the exertion and all that stuff is its mental effects remain um and so we that that is something that we'll see a lot going on is that you know they can morph and heal every single injury they ever get but this like it takes it out of them yeah Uh, i mean you're resetting your dna like mm -hmm. like the sheer amount of energy it must require to do that it absolutely makes sense that it would be i look Mm -hmm. forward to seeing if like reading it makes me feel super hungry just like man i i bet i would want to eat just like Especially like going from like small morphs and stuff like that. Yeah. It's interesting again with the shrew morph that yeah. Rachel picks up later. Just like mm-hmm. I am hungry. I am so hungry. Yeah. Uh, uh. We have some. Uh, uh, this nice thing about Tobias flying overhead, not participating mm-hmm. in the conversation because he can only think speak to them, but they can't. He can't hear them, and they can't think speak back. And it's like that whole because he has to fly. Mm-hmm. And when flying, he can't be too low to the ground because, you know, that looks weird. Mm-hmm. But like that, keeping himself distant from the others is upsetting. Yeah. Um, even with good reason. And you get this fun back and forth about Marco saying about morphing would be kind of great if it weren't for the Yerks, uh, just like, and mm-hmm. uh, so, like, I could use this. And Jake is the one to go to what fight crime. Just like, oh, Jake, sweet boy. <laughs> uh, but Marco's just like, no, I want to go on TV. <laughs> <laughs> be famous, and there's some real good banter between the the all of them at this point. Yeah, yeah. It it really drives home that they're kids. Mm. I also um, really appreciate that Rachel just rips into Marco, not in a yeah. mean way, but also just like she's absolutely on par with him for like. Mm-hmm. I yeah. like that she's as smart as he is, and that's clear. Like she might not think the same way, but she is on his level. Which mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah. Uh, they pass the abandoned construction site, notably not cutting through it as they have always done in the past. Because, mm-hmm. you know, mutual trauma. And they kind of just like, Cassie stops first because she starts crying and everybody else kind of stops with her. And then they all have a moment where they bond over their shared trauma. We should um, maybe add shared trauma to the drinking list. We should, we should. Well, oh, that, okay. that's one of those ones where you're just going to be drinking the whole time because... That's the, true. That's the kid, true. The kids, they they collect trauma like candy. Um, but, yeah, and, and we, get, we get the line, flying around in the sky had been a wonderful distraction, but my head was still full of awful memories. Um, and, and it's one of those things where, like, things continue to happen and get worse and all of this other sort of stuff. 
But it's it's important to remember that like these kids are full on traumatized. As well. Right would from the be. beginning. Right. And who wouldn't be? Um, and so it's just like, oh buddy. Yeah. <sighs> um um, so we have this conversation, this moment of sadness, and then uh, Rachel is like on the attack. Mm-hmm. Um, this is after uh, Tobias sort of flies over the site and goes and has a quiet moment. Just like, mm-hmm. oh, my heart. Um, <laughs> but I love like, we need to find a way to get back of them. And Rachel's pissed about this. And yeah. Mark is just like, Get at who Marco asks suspiciously. The French Marco. It's just like, ah, <laughs> oh, I love them. Um, I love them so much. But then we sort of get into this um, argument about, um, well, why we, we tried that. Marco's like, we tried that. We got our asses kicked. What's the point? Mm-hmm. Um, and Jake Cannon's like, we lost one game. You don't quit the sport because you lose one game. And Marco kind of fairly points out, like, yeah, some game. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, this is Rachel being pragmatic. And well, it wasn't a total loss. Mm-hmm. Um, but and so they're like they can't. They and Jake's like I do- doesn't think that uh, he wants to go back to the pool, and he can't because the door is gone. Mm-hmm. And I love how everyone's like, mm? look at it. It's like the audible, the whole group looks. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, I just wanted to see if the door still worked okay, just in case. Just like, okay, Jake, this is telling, isn't it, my son? <laughs> <sighs> um, and so Rachel's just like, okay, so we need a different tactic. Um, suggests Tom, uh, and Jake just shoots that down. Um. They sort of have a little bit more back and forth. And then Jake is the one that feels about Chapman, the assistant principal, mm-hmm. who uh, runs the sharing, who we were introduced to in the last book. And then we got, uh, if there was some way for us to get close to Chapman, Jake let the words hang in the air. He carefully didn't look at me, but I knew what he meant. He'd obviously been thinking about this for a while. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of, the first of many instances where Jake has clearly thought things through and come to an idea, but he's reluctant to volunteer people for like specifically dangerous things that will hurt them in particular. And especially when like he knows that he won't necessarily be getting the fallout from it. Mm hmm. And so he does this thing where he's like, where he leads everybody else to, uh, like, to the train of thought that he's on and then waits for everybody to come to the conclusion that he has already come to. Um, and, and it's very manipulative and uh-huh. it is just really good in a, in a fucked up way um, uh-huh. that. You know, already we see him taking this mantle of leader and figuring out how he can best use his friends. Mm-hmm. It makes me sad. Uh, yeah. Um, in this instance, he suggests that Rachel reconnects with her friend, uh, Melissa, who is uh, the daughter of Principal Chapman. 
Um, and uh, nobody's super happy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially not Rachel. Um, after ignoring Marco some more. Mm-hmm. Um, where we actually see uh, a shot of, I think it's Rachel saying something, um, Marco actually looking hurt by it. Yeah. Which, nice little detail. Um, and we got this yeah, because moment. Specifically, of- she jokes mm-hmm. about, like, who said you were my friend? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> it's interesting to me that that's the thing that he gets hurt by. Yeah. Oh, Marco, you care what your friends think about you. Ah. Um, we have this moment from Rachel reflecting on it. I felt a bit of taste in my mouth. Jake was right, of course. Chapman was the logical lead to follow, and Melissa was our way to get close. It made sense. It made sense for me to betray an old friend. It also made me feel like dirt. Mm-hmm. And again, we've got this underscoring that Rachel is a pragmatist, but also like she's not without empathy or emotional intelligence, which mm-hmm. makes the choices that she makes going forward, like she knows what she's doing and they affect her emotionally. Mm-hmm. I think it's real easy with like your berserker type characters, just think, oh, well, they're all about the action and they don't care. But Rachel cares so much. Yeah. So. Uh. Oh, I'm really sad. I'm sorry to make you very sad. <laughs> uh, so, I love uh, her so much. Like, it's one of those things, like, and the, this uh, trans thing, I, Rachel was the character that, uh, when I think back, Rachel never massively registered with me when I think about the vague memories I have of encountering Animorphs. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate, and I think I make a comment in the doc later, how quickly I uh, like her. <laughs> and um, I often struggle with, um, again, I think this is a, the trans thing, female characters, mm-hmm. especially in sort of more YA stuff. Um, and I really, really dig how Rachel is written. Yeah. Um, and there, 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 there's a vibe with her I will try and maybe pin down more uh, as we get to know her better. As a, as a person and spend time in her headspace. But um, yeah, she's a very good character. Well, let's, let's leave it there for now and we'll talk more about why she's great later. <laughs> so uh, uh, we've got Rachel at gymnastics class over at the mm-hmm. YMCA and we get some fun stuff about Rachel talking about her relationship with it and why she does it. Um, this like good bit of resentment on people just thinking, oh, you're so tall and pretty, you could be a model when mm-hmm. she kind of wanted to be a gymnast. But mm-hmm. um, how she does it now and how she enjoys it and she she does it for fun. Um, and we get this. Her talking about the balance beam is fun, given um, yeah. the cat morph for later. Uh-huh. Uh, spoilers for later in the book. But to be fair, the cover is uh, Rachel turning into a cat. So. <laughs> um. Um. And she, we, we get a description of Melissa, who used to be um, Rachel's best friend next to Cassie. Um, and uh, you, the whole, this whole interaction just like hits really hard for me because mm-hmm. the whole thing is like, 
Rachel's like noticing things about Melissa that like she hadn't she hasn't been noticing because she and Melissa drifted apart as friends. Um, and it's not just because of the Yerk stuff that they drifted apart. It's just like they did. Um, and, you know, Rachel's trying to initiate a conversation and Melissa is very much just kind of like keeping it to small talk. Um, and, you know, there there's the, the the thing here where that's the way it was. We said hi, but not much more. And, and, you know, she, she tries to invite Melissa out to go and spend time with her so that she can talk to her more about what's going on. But Melissa's very much, uh, avoiding everything. Mm -hmm. Um, specifically, Melissa is, uh, compared to a trapped animal, mm -hmm. um, and Rachel wonders when she and Melissa had gotten to be such strangers. And uh, we we get. It's just, uh, I don't I have a lot of emotions and not many words. Um, Mood. She, um. She, she keeps trying to, like. Get Melissa to talk to her. Melissa continues to refuse. Um, and then we get the line, I just watched her go. I felt like a complete and total jerk. Something had happened to Melissa and I hadn't even noticed. She was my friend and something had changed in her and I hadn't seen it. I'd just gone my own way. And now I was only acting like a concerned friend. The truth was I was only paying attention for my own reasons. This comes back to Rachel being emotionally aware and how much she focuses on other people. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And like, I've drift, like, I think it's a common experience. We've all like had yeah. people in our lives that we've then drifted away from mm -hmm. and people change and shift and we don't notice it happening till after the fact. Yep. And Rachel is somebody that very much puts the onus of other people's well-being on herself. Mm -hmm. And so to get, yeah, <laughs> she's 13. Um, and to have that moment of reflection, like even, it's that whole thing that I'm a big fan of, just like being kind is a choice, not a character trait. Mm -hmm. And and this is a, a, a big thing for me is like, your emotional awareness doesn't stop the fact that you're doing a good thing. Like just like, oh, am I doing this just to be nice or just because I want to do things? But also in this moment, Rachel is still reaching out to mm -hmm. Melissa and noticing things. Yeah. And like the way it's written, um, like we we find out more details about the exact situation that Melissa is in, but the way it reads is very much like somebody dealing with abuse at home. And that I I don't doubt for a moment that, that isn't intentional on the parts of the authors. And I mean, frankly, it she is. is. It's it's um, it's um, emotional abuse in the specifically really in the form of emotional neglect, yes. which is very much a form of abuse. Um, and that he could go more on later. Just like the guilt, Rachel's immediate guilt on it is just like this girl is so ready to fight the world for other people mm -hmm. and it's it's crushing in the, the best most narratively satisfying way 
Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, we have this moment. The gymnastics class happens after this conversation. Uh, Rachel falls off the balance beam because she's not concentrating um, and hurts herself badly enough to cry. And I love that small detail that Rachel cries. Because, mm-hmm. like, I, I mean, I cry so easily. <laughs> it is not hard to make me cry. But I like that for all that we've seen her as the toughest fighter and the ready to do the, the risky thing, the stupid thing. She still cries. Mm-hmm. Like, she is a kid. And mm-hmm. I like that. And we have this great detail of Melissa is, like, the first one to come over to her. Mm-hmm. And for about 10 seconds, she's the old Melissa. Um, but then she's back to being off across the room and around the world. And Rachel's thought, the suspicion there, is that Melissa might be a controller. Mm-hmm. Because they know her father is. And with Melissa acting so strange, yeah. yeah. It's worse than that. It is worse than that. It's so much worse. <laughs> but that comes later. <laughs> that comes later. Uh, so Rachel had planned to go to the mall with Melissa. Like she had set up things with her mom to pick her up from the mall and stuff. Um, but now that uh, Melissa kind of brushed her off, she's like, oh, well, I guess I'll walk home. Uh she and she recognizes that it was kind of a not a great decision on her part because she's walking home alone. The things are getting dark because rain's moving in, um, and she's not really paying attention to, you know, what's around her. And this whole, the first part at least of this whole thing is intimately familiar. Mm-hmm. Uh as as a uh female presenting person um walking who has walked several times alone in the dark you know between mm-hmm. places um and you know it's it's it very clearly speaks to that that feeling and Mm -hmm. the the immediate kind of blame of yourself that happens Mm -hmm. and i hate it and Mm -hmm. i hate that she's dealing with it she's 13 Mm -hmm. but a dude pulls up to her gets out of his car starts to harass her um it's gross on many levels uh she uh runs away physically uh, he runs after her, um, and in order to scare the dude off, um, she begins to morph into an elephant here on the street in the middle of the city. Um, but she morphs part way, uh, like she has a big elephant nose and like has grown bigger and stuff like that. Uh, yours got bigger yeah. mm-hmm. still with no uh tusks is the big one yeah sticking out about a foot out of her mouth but she mm-hmm. still has her own hair and eyes yeah uh she turns around and the guy screams and runs away uh, doesn't pick up his car or he does he forget for a second he forgets he has a car then he yeah. doubles back and to jump in back the into the car <laughs> Uh huh. I love oh. he starts the car and took off. He was definitely breaking the speed limit as he tore out of there. 
Um, and so Rachel morphs back to human. Um, she she notes that her her shoes had been destroyed by the growth of her feet. Um, and it stops raining. And then another car pulls up to her. But this car has Melissa and Principal Chapman in it. Um, which immediately sends Rachel panicking because mm-hmm. she was literally just half an elephant. Um, mm-hmm. And how much did he see? Mm-hmm. Uh, and we get a really intense um, but also short scene of her uh, in the riding in the car. back of this car because she she couldn't exactly deny the ride home that they were offering. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't ha- without being really suspicious, even more suspicious. Um, and and she talks, but she tries to dismiss what happened. Um, doesn't feel like she's being believed. And there's this really chilling moment. Uh, she gives this, this. She gives a direction, and Chapman's just like, "I know where you live." Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the school principal, like as well. Like, there's not. I love that. That could just be a very innocuous statement. Because we don't yep. know the tone in which he says it. Mm-hmm. But because we know that about him being a controller, and like we have that uh, reflection from Rachel, it's just like, was it a threat? Does he suspect? Did he guess? Was he looking at me strangely? Or was I just being paranoid? Mm-hmm. And I like, I love the use of short, sharp sentences and lots of question marks, like how rapidly she's thinking. Yeah. Um, they drop her off. She manages to. Uh, get away without raising too much suspicion. Like Melissa, <laughs> Melissa's just confused. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mr. Chapman is staring at her with an expression that I imagine is just like, "Why do I have to deal with this?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> but which, uh, you know, Rachel says that she can't ex- she can't read the expression, and so she's just freaked the fuck out. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, she gets home. She talks to her mom, who is really concerned. Um, and then she goes and oh, we get we get the moment of them talking about what's for dinner. Um, mm-hmm. And we learn a lot about Rachel's family here. Um, you know, with, yeah. with each of these books, we get an insight into what all of these characters' family lives are like. Yeah, Rachel's mom is a lawyer. Her parents are divorced. Uh, she spends most of the time with her mom, and she's got uh, two younger sisters. Yep. And we have the conver- they have that conversation about like what's for dinner, and her mom is just like, uh, "We're gonna order out." Mm-hmm. And Rachel's like, "It's fine. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, <laughs> your cooking isn't that great anyway. Let's just order mm-hmm. out." Um, There's also a lovely detail. Uh, Rachel's mum t- is mentioning about the other girl, the sisters, watching a scary show mm-hmm. uh, and how they're both going to suffer for it, like having a nightlight yeah. on, Sarah will come back. But what I like is that um, her mum is like, I don't know why they like things that frighten them and how Rachel was never that way, mm. which is just irony. Yeah, but I also like uh, Rachel's. Re- I almost made me laugh. I felt like saying, "Well, Mom, I don't have to watch things that are scary. I am scary." Yep. So she calls the rest of the animorphs over to her house to have a meeting, um, and she tells them about Melissa and about the run-in with the creep. But she doesn't tell them that Chapman drove her home. Um, 
And I love that. Marco, I don't know why, as well. Like, yeah, setting a precedent. Yeah. Uh, Marco explodes and says that she was really not smart in doing this. Um, and you know they they argue about it a while, but eventually Cassie, because of course it's Cassie, is the one who smooths things over. Mm-hmm. It was dumb putting yourself in that position, Rachel. You need to be more careful. But still, I'd have paid my next 10 allowances to see the look on that guy's face. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's nice to have just a, yet another moment where Cassie seems to know the right thing to say to placate everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love this moment. They, they talk about how the, it's a dead end. Uh, if Melissa's actually a controller, but then they talk about well, knowing where the office is or where the house is, start talking about turning into small things. And Rachel's just like, huh, I mean, being a roach would be weird. Can they even hear? They look at Cassie, she's just like, I don't know everything about every animal. <laughs> like, I, I, I appreciate a little bit of lampshade hanging there. Um, Amy smile. Uh, but then we have this moment... Um, of uh, Rachel looking over at uh, her desk and uh, sees a photo, uh, a collection of photos, but specifically there's one of her and Melissa with Melissa's kitten. Yeah. Which was oh, hey, about a, a year ago. So, hey, <laughs> a cat. So they all go to uh, Melissa's... So they're standing outside like melissa's house creepily just imagine, in the hedges yeah yeah just behind the god hedges. what bunch of amateur animorphs hang around in hedges at the back of somebody's property looking for a way in <laughs> i mean <laughs> um and they're debating about how they're going to catch the cat to uh to be able to acquire it um they <laughs> tobias literally just fucking catches uh fluffer the, the cat's name is fluffer mckitty first of all <laughs> uh i hate this so much i hate that i know what fluffer is slang for i hate it so much um, <sighs> and the tobias literally like swoops down and catches the cat and delivers him to uh everybody else um which is just a really great thing. Um, oh, it's not here that he catches him. He catches him later. This is he spots him. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The catching comes later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like talking about um, there's lots of, and he says about, he's talked about being a bird, like spotting praise what he does. And he says about mm-hmm. like, like six or eight cats, there's dogs, loads of rats and mice. Mm-hmm. And this leads into a really upsetting exchange. Yeah, because Marco can't leave well enough alone. Um, He says, get a grip, Tobias. Don't start eating rats, all right? I don't know if I can have someone who eats rats for a friend. Um, And everybody piles onto Marco because, like, fuck that. Yeah. It's also after, like, Tobias cuts himself off after, Mm -hmm. like, recognizing that he's going down a train of thought Mm -hmm. and expressing a thought aloud. She's like... Hi, hello, come at me with your Tobias autistic headcanons, because I'm here mm. and I'm ready for you to talk to me about it. <laughs> um, 
I also possibly am circling another character being possibly autistic too. We'll come back to this later as I have more information. I very I much want to hear what you have to say about that. Yeah, uh, that might be uh, something that we actually, uh, something slightly off topic. We've talked about when we maybe start having people join us um, to maybe mm -hmm. explore specific topics. Yeah. I feel like the characters being neurodivergent, uh, it could be an interesting uh, talking point, obviously with the PTSD and the trauma, but also mm -hmm. possibly other things as well. Yeah. But anyway, everyone rightly calls Marco out on his yeah. shit. Which is appreciated. I love how Daniel and our doc just put asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, asshole. Um, Jake immediately kind of jumps out and he's like, well, I ate a spider. Does that mean you and I can't be friends? Which, God bless Jake. Mm -hmm. um, and finally, Marco, well, he apologizes by really just like making another joke. Um. Mm -hmm. And he he does seem actually apologetic about it, at least. I also love his way of apologizing. Besides, I've been known to eat eggplant, so I guess I can't criticize. <laughs> yeah. Like, see, that, Marco, is a funny joke. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. here for it. Yeah. So. um, And I think I love how Tobias doesn't even address it. It's just like the cat's over here. Mm -hmm. And just... Whew, yeah, I, uh, I can't wait for you to read the next book because it's from Tobias's point of view. Mm -hmm. And oh boy, uh, we learn a whole lot about how Tobias is extremely introspective and all of these times when he doesn't really say things, he's definitely thinking. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yep, so uh, Cassie and Rachel go to try and uh, get the cap. Uh, it goes about as well as trying to catch a cat that doesn't want to be caught goes. Yep. It's great. <laughs> I love I love that Rachel is like, come on, boy. And Cassie's like, he's a tomcat? You didn't tell me he was a tomcat. Is he fixed? <laughs> <laughs> I love like, why do we care? <laughs> as well. <laughs> Just this this whole thing is really funny. It's like because <laughs> because cassie's asking these questions to rachel and rachel's just kind of like responding back in the the talking to cats voice because she's talking to fluffer mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very good uh, because pound for pound a tomcat is like one of the toughest most dangerous little things around Ooh, fluffer my little kitty friend fluffer it's <laughs> oh, very good but uh it doesn't go well rachel gets a scratch and the cat is up the tree Yep. Just, and then Jake's just like, how you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> and then Marco giggles uh, on hearing that uh, Rachel is bleeding and Fluffer is up the tree. And then Jake is giggling too. And then <laughs> Tobias is glaring. Oh, and the, I thought that was Tobias. No. And then the cat is just up the tree. Yep. Like this glaring was supposed to be the easy point. And then Rachel has this brainwave of um, getting Tobias to catch something small um, that then... I love how that's the idea, to get something small for Rachel to turn into to be live bait. Yep. To entice the cat out of the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have, and Tobias successfully goes and catches what he thinks is a baby mouse, a mean baby mouse. <laughs> uh, it's like, are you ready to get, take this? It's like, yeah, I took a deep breath. I gave him wave. Sure, I was ready. Why wouldn't I be ready to have a hawk? Come your mouse. Just your normal kind of thing to deal with. <laughs> um, 
And I love how we get this moment of like Rachel describing how well Tobias does this. And Cassie's mm-hmm. just there like, rabies. She's like, <laughs> which comes up again later. She's like, I should, we should get you guys rabies shots. I have one, but you should get one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Cassie uh. informs everybody that it is a shrew, not a mouse. Um, and Tobias is like, I'm sorry, is that is that a bad thing? And Cassie's like, oh, I just know it's not a mouse. That's That was so cute. I love that exchange. <laughs> <sighs> Bless these children. Uh, Marco has another really gross joke about shrews. Because mm-hmm. of course he does. Which um, is annoying, because he did get just to have a good part about... Um, like l- rightly maybe calling out the plan mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. so it's just ugh. like i don't mind marco making bad jokes but it's these feeling very sort of misogynistic jokes yes just really yes. feel bad um so rachel acquires and uh then morphs into the shrew cassie <laughs> Cassie goes for the uh, very reassuring line. You know, Rachel, usually a cat will play with a mouse a little bit, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes they go right for the neck bite. (laughs) Ah, friends. Friendship. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Tobias speaks privately to Rachel and tells her that he'll be watching um, and he doesn't want anything bad to happen to her. I love that she winks at him. I know. That's very cute. They are very cute. I love them. <laughs> I love I'm them. very invested in these children. They're so cute. Um, um, Rachel morphs, uh, rolls a critical fail on <laughs> acquiring, on uh, morphing for the first time. Because uh, yep. the shoe is like, obviously terrified. This is the like uh, the lizard for Jake. Yep. Like, a creature this small with such a strong fear instinct, mm-hmm. uh, Rachel just like loses it. Yep. Uh, totally loses control. Um, and we get like her perspective as the shoe on everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, she just takes off. Yep. And this is great because we have everyone trying to catch her and trying to get her to calm down. Tobias is talking. We have the fear and the hunger and the fear hunger run. And I love that it's uh, Tobias catches her. Yeah. And it, it's very good. It's very good. And he's just like, I've got, I'm okay, I've got you. And Rachel understands. And he's the one that gives her the, like, to think about something human. Mm-hmm. It's like to think about school. And that's enough to sort of, and she says it's like a switch has been flipped. Yep. And then she's just like, I'm okay, you can put me down. And he just immediately goes, I just like, did my talents hurt you? It's just like, ah. Oh, yeah. Baby, baby boy. <laughs> Um, and uh, they observe the differences between like turning into big things versus small things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cassie notes the difference um, being the horse. Yeah. Um, and Rachel just hates being a shrew uh, yep. um, and talks about how she's not enjoying the shrew experience, how she can smell death everywhere and hear thousands of feasting maggots, yep. which to her as a shrew mean dinner and talk about being really hungry. Um yep. This is this is funny when Marco is like, oh, you look nervous and how you've never looked lovelier. This is the Marco I like. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like they, they set her down. Uh, there's a good reference to Itchy and Scratchy. 
Uh, <laughs> I, I'm amused that they go with the itchy and scratchy reference rather than Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Actually, which is uh, probably like, if anything, that might date it. That's one mm. of the few references that kind of does feel dated. Um, yeah. That I've come across so far. Not necessarily in a super bad way, but yeah, I feel like Tom and Jerry would have been actually more timeless in that regard. But hey, <laughs> not silly. But uh, yeah, we've got Rachel the Shrew hanging out the and uh, is so preoccupied with being hungry uh, that doesn't even clock that Fluffer's uh, descending from the tree. Uh, Jake and Marco, however, uh, are all the case. Just like the ability to catch a cat midair is hard. So shout out to my short king, Marco, (laughs) for getting the cat. Yep. And they uh, like, so Marco catches, like, snatches Fluffer out of the air, gets swiped for his troubles, nearly drops the cat, who Jake, like, scruffs. And then Cassie's there with the animal character, and they just shove this cat into the cat carrier. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> While Rachel turns back into herself as quickly as she can. And yep. Marco's like, I'm bleeding. And Cassie's like, We're all bleeding. <laughs> and just like, not unsympathetically, just very matter of factly. I told you, cats can be nasty. <laughs> Uh, yep. Uh, she, she and Jake kind of have a mini argument here because Jake is like, "Oh, I should have morphed the shrew because that was really terrible for you." Uh, and Rachel's like, "No, you were really freaked out by your lizard morph. I don't want you to have to morph the lizard again." And they just they they have like this weird. No, I love like, you more. No, yeah. I care about your well being. Yes. <laughs> No, I can handle this. I don't want you to be freaked out. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then we've got Rachel getting ready to acquire uh, more than Jake's just like, well, at least you didn't need a spider. Uh, yeah. And Cassie checks in that Rachel's all right to acquire a second morph. Uh, and she does the swagger thing, just like, yeah, come on. I, mm-hmm. I can do the thing. And I love that Fluffer is now totally chilled out, is falling mm-hmm. asleep, and is happy to be petted. Um, yep. So uh, we have this fun little moment of reflection. We realize at this point that they don't know how many morphs they can acquire. Uh, Hopefully that won't be acquired at a bad time. And in an amazing display of foresight and sensible behavior, they're (laughs) like, let's do this another night because I'm tired. (laughs) Just like, oh, very good. I love they let the cat out. And then Marco's like, the cat's probably off to kill kill the shrew. And Rachel's just like, not having a good time. Yep. These kids. These kids. Um. Chapter nine, we join Rachel uh, having a nightmare and being uh, woken up uh, Mm -hmm. by one of her sisters. And Rachel's first instinct when she wakes up is to check that she's human. Yep. So. Great. And then she goes and throws up. And uh, her sister's fussing, and we find out Jordan is like 11 years old. And I'm just like, oh, babies. Uh-huh. Babies. We get the comment that the little littlest sister Sarah can sleep through anything. Uh, mm-hmm. Jordan and Sarah share a room. Uh, the three girls share a bathroom. Um, and Rachel is like immediately trying to reassure Jordan that she's okay. Yeah. And then uh, Jordan is just very sweet and good. Mm-hmm. So, and then there's the heartbreaking moment. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jordan looks at Rachel, 
I know I'm just your little sister by two years, but you would tell me if something bad was happening to you, right? I mean, I wouldn't tell mom or anyone. You could trust me. And so we definitely get this this uh, thing of Jordan knows that something is up with Rachel in the way that, you know, siblings usually catch on to that thing before parents do. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's worried about Rachel and Rachel immediately lies and feels really bad about it. Um, but she can't tell Jordan what's going on because she doesn't know who is a controller. She says she, she hates feeling suspicious of her sister. Just like, mm-hmm. it's like upsettingly accepting that this is her reality. Yep. Um, Jordan comments that uh, Rachel was screaming something um, or yelling something um, and says it was like something like maggots. And we get a great description of the dream. Which I hate. Uh, I will not go in. Uh, I could read it out, but um, I won't. But what I appreciated about it is how visceral this is. And yeah. this is something I'm really appreciating with these books is that um, uh, Kay Applegate is not afraid to do horrifying things. Like it's respecting, it's not like upsetting, necessarily gory. It's not inappropriate for a 13 year old to read, but like it's very effective. Mm hmm. So, but yes, uh, Rachel was the shrew in the dream eating something gross, hence the vomiting. And she is so valid. Yep. Frankly, yep. I, I would have vomited too. Uh, Jake and Rachel have a bonding moment the next morning at the bus stop. Um, and they, <laughs> they bond about how much they hate being prey animals and how they had nightmares about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh we have a nice bit of foreshadowing and um rachel is the one that says you know what scares me and jake immediately you're afraid that we'll have to morph into bugs mm-hmm. um and rachel says i don't think i'd be willing to do that and um and then i appreciate Jake's like you're gonna be a cat cat cat's gonna be fun tobias was a cat it was great i like being a dog dog know how to have fun um just like good work jake <laughs> yep doing a good job um and they they arrive at school, or sorry, on the bus, um, or they get no, they get to school and like yeah. Rachel dashes off the bus to go talk to Melissa, who she mm-hmm. spots. Uh, she and Melissa, Melissa has clearly been crying, um, and Rachel is trying to talk to her, and Melissa, you know, basically pushes her away. Like, what do you care? Everything is wrong, um, but. And and you you very clearly get this this sense of Melissa knowing that something is very wrong, but like feeling that in technicality things aren't mm. in the same way that you know people will justify, um, oh well, uh, you know they do this bad thing to me, but also they do X Y and Z wonderful thing, yeah. Um, and there's the heartbreaking moment. Leave me alone, Melissa said grimly. Everything has changed. Everyone has changed. You stopped being my friend and my mom and dad. And, and she trails off. Um, As Rachel tries to press her for details, but uh, then Melissa leaves, um, and as Rachel heads into school as well, uh, of course, she runs straight into the principal chairman. Yep. 
and there's another tense moment. Uh, but they, they go their separate ways. And this um, upsetting line about yep. nightmares aren't real, you know. Yeah.